I'm looking. I'm looking for it. I just, I don't see, do you? I'm, I'm looking for the path that the Bears are going to win the division anytime soon. I just don't see it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews on a Victory Monday this time. Ain't that nice? Doesn't it just feel nice to have a Victory Monday again? So welcome back. Today is shoutouts and get-outs as we enter the bye week. That's right. It may be the bye week. The Packers do not have an opponent this coming weekend, but we still get to look back. Look at what they did against the Bears. Look at who performed well versus who performed not well, just to keep it positive, because there were certainly goods and bads from this football game, the Packers' victory over the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field. Uh, just a couple things before we dive into the actual content piece of the day. For one, hit like, share, subscribe, as always. Welcome to our new subscribers. Hope you enjoy it here at Lombardi Time Brews. Uh, next up, other than that, this week, yes, it is the bye week. Matt LaFleur in his press conference today said all of the assistant coaches, everyone else, he told them all to get out. It's the bye week for the coaches, too. They put in so, so many hours. Uh, he said for all of them, they all have special projects to do. They're all working at future appointments, self-reflection study, etc. And he wants all of them to do it from home or the road. But get out of 1265 Lombardi and go take care of yourselves elsewhere. Here's your list of special projects to do. I don't mind that approach one bit, and I'm going to take a similar approach, even though, yeah, I, I work from home all the time. But nonetheless, uh, this coming Wednesday, there will be no video for Lombardi Time Brews, but you will hear from me on Friday. And then, of course, next week will be our regularly scheduled programming as the Packers get back to work as well. So again, no video Wednesday, but there will be a video this coming Friday. Now, um, other just updates for you. Matt LaFleur did say that it could be a while for David Bakhtiari, who just underwent that appendectomy. Um, I, right? I mean, what more is there to say? Like, Bakhtiari, we, it, I haven't seen it classified by the Packers, at least, as an emergency surgery. But what we do know is that Thursday, he was in really good spirits. Friday, he reported to practice had some abdominal pain, figured he had mentioned to the doctor, they checked it out, and then holy crap, he was in for surgery. Um, so certainly a a quick developing surgery, if not emergency for David Bakhtiari. Um, not, not unexpected at all that he's going to have to miss some time. Luckily, uh, his replacement is someone who's coming up in the shout-out category today, Zach Tom, who played quite well against the Chicago Bears, although I will add on one caveat, not to turn it negative, but it's not like the Chicago Bears had their full complement of pass rushers on Sunday. So let's just not get ahead of ourselves and say, Zach Tom, just as good as Bakhtiari or anything to that effect, because no. And yes, yes, I have seen that belief from some Packer fans. So just let's just stop that right there. Okay, but let's dive right into 
the shout outs and get outs. Oh, hey, you know what? One more note before that. Uh, if you happen to be in the Green Bay area, I, this coming Saturday, am going to be at the Green Bay Card Show. That's right, the KI Convention Center. It's a Green Bay Card memorabilia show. I will be there along with a ton of other vendors. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Lombardi Time Brews at my vendor space, as well as doing the whole typical buying, selling, trading of memorabilia and all things Packers. So if you happen to go to that show, if you happen to live in Green Bay and you are a subscriber of the channel, come on, stop on over and uh, it'll be very, very nice to meet you if you're able to do so. So that's right, this coming Saturday, uh, December 10th at the KI Convention Center in Green Bay. So, shout outs and get outs. Let's discuss. Well, shout outs. Number one, this is going to be super easy. Christian Watson. Yes, yes. The man who flew into the end zone and also happened to fly into the nightmares of Chicago Bears fans for the next, oh, I don't know, decade at least. Uh, Christian Watson is the absolute touchdown machine. Eight touchdowns on 17 touches. That's absurd and ridiculously, ridiculously unsustainable. But still, Eight touchdowns on 17 offensive touchdowns in his last four games. We are watching the ascension of a superstar right before our eyes. Number two, A.J. Dillon. Yes, that man ran like a man on a mission again. Wound up with 18 carries for 93 yards. That is 5.2 yards per carry. He also had that one rumbling, bumbling touchdown. He also added three catches for 26 yards. That's an 8.7 yard average. You know, after the game, he was asked, like, why all of a sudden you're running harder? What's what's going on? And he attributed it all to dad strength. Yes, he and his wife announced just over the last week that they are expecting. So congratulations to A.J. Dillon. Um, if, if dad strength is what's doing it for you, uh, keep popping out kids because the Packers could use it. So good to see him running hard again as the snow is about to fly. Uh, number three. And I absolutely love this. Uh, this The quote that I'm going to say here came from Zach Jacobson on Twitter. But number three for our shout-outs, Keyshawn Nixon. I mean, you know what he could do as a kick returner. He had 250-plus returns last week. You like him in coverage, but I didn't realize just how good as a nickelback he's been. So here's the tweet. A QB could spike the ball into the ground on every play and have a 39.6 QB rating. Keyshawn Nixon has allowed a 38.5 passer rating when targeted in his last two games per PFF. His coverage is better than if the quarterback were to snap the ball and throw it directly into the ground every single play. That is remarkable. For a guy who we signed as a special teamer, maybe a depth corner, one of Rich Bisaccia's favorite pet projects, Dang, I mean, that's legit. He is playing some tremendously good football right now at the nickelback position. Certainly is becoming one of those guys who, looking ahead to the future, the Packers are going to have to retain for next year. He's playing his way into the future. And what that secondary could look like in the future, I think there's going to be some moving parts. We know Razul Douglas is back. We know Eric Stokes is back. We know Jerry is back. Other parts we don't know about. So, going to be very, very interesting to see this coming offseason. Let's not look too far ahead, though. Number four in the shout-out category, Zach Tom. Yeah, I mean, he didn't know he was starting until, you would think, Friday. 
right? When Bakhtiari went in for the emergency surgery, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you're a starter now. You're going to be starting against the Chicago Bears. And Tom, all year long, has done a remarkable job of, oh, someone's out? I'll go in and play. And then he plays well. He gave up only one pressure. His flexibility, his dependability in uncertain circumstances is really, really to be heralded. It looks as though the Packers have gotten another one, another good offensive lineman in one of the later rounds. Now, we know he still needs to add some play strength. We know he's better at pass pro than he is run blocking. We know these things. But for a rookie who's a mid to late round pick, who's playing multiple positions, man, you are happy with Zach Tom right now if you are a Packer fan. And then number five. Now, this one's a little duality of man, and you'll see why. But number five, Jair Alexander. Yes, as subscriber Prime Suspect pointed out, uh, we shouldn't be too hard on Jair. Someone on the defense has to be taking risks. Someone has to be making plays. Yeah, I do. I totally agree with that sentiment, especially when the defense isn't doing well. You're going to go down swinging, right? Which means a guy like Jair, we all know his temperament. It's pretty evident on the field is going to go down swinging, and that means he's going to take some risks. And it actually paid off in the latter part of the game with his dagger interception for all intents and purposes. He redeemed himself with that pick, but also in the locker room after the game, he held himself accountable to those large completions that he gave up earlier in the game. And so he's equally in the shout-out category for that type of leadership just as much as he is the interception. Of course, the interception was great, but for him to stand there and say, yeah, I needed to get yelled at by teammates. I wasn't in it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <sighs> and now the get-outs. Now, a few of these are pretty simple. Another one is a little bit more complicated, so I'm going to start with the simple. Get-out number one, Aaron Charles Rodgers. And look, he played, he played good enough, let's say it that way, right? But there was certainly, when the Packers were down, he reverted right back to hero ball. Just that effort. Someone's down there, down there. Like, someone's open. Oh, Cobb streaking towards the end zone? Doesn't matter that he's 85 years old. Just sling it. And Cobb's played well. But a lot of these just screw it throws aren't tremendously on target. And he's deciding that he's going there way too damn early in the play. So... For that alone, he winds up on the get-out list. This hero ball mentality has got to get out. When, 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 the, when the chips are stacked against you, run the offense. Be in time. Be in rhythm. Move the ball. You're not going to get 10 points on a single play. So stop it. Next. And here he is. This is the duality. Jay Alexander. Yeah, he he confessed in the locker room after in his uh, in his post game scrum that he was zened out. He was zoned out. The first half caught him by surprise. You know, he called EQ, former teammate, a scrub after the game, and then texted him later last night to apologize. But we've seen this from Jair a few times this year. You know, highest paid cornerback in NFL history, who just gets burned too much. And I know he has the, the defense isn't performing, I'm going to throw it on my back type thing and just do it myself. Well, it still has to be cohesive with the unit. 
whether he was zenned out, zoned out, whether he was just being lazy, whether he was flat-footed, whether he was checked out, whether he's got stuff going on, doesn't matter. There were some bad snaps that happened yesterday. And it just can't happen for a defensive superstar of his caliber. He, he just can't. If he wants to be that number one alpha corner, it means he's going to get put on an island a lot. Arguably more than Joe Barry has done it to him this year. No safety help. No nothing. One-on-one man. You are paid $21 million a year. You are the NFL's history highest paid corner. We are going to put you on anyone. We could put you on prime Calvin Johnson. And the expectation is that you are going to shut them down. If that's not the case, then you shouldn't have the pedigree, the mantle of highest paid ever on your resume. And he can do it. That's the thing. He can. But yesterday there were some bad snaps that could put on film. And so he deserves to be on this list. Next up, number three. The young defensive linemen. And I. this is not against them. But the coaches who are determining the defensive line rotation are on the get out list. Of the top five Packers defenders in PFF grading yesterday... Two of them happen to be Devontae Wyatt, first-round pick, and TJ Slayton's second-year nose tackle. In fact, Devontae Wyatt had an 87.7 PFF grade. Number one defender for the Green Bay Packers yesterday. Where was Slayton? Fourth highest on the defense, 76.8. However, they have one key thing in common. Each one of them only got nine snaps. They're playing well. Wyatt played extremely well. Put him on the field. What what do you have to lose, right? You've got John Reed. You've got Dean Lowry in front of them. Kenny Clark's not leaving no matter what, nor should he. But... If Devontae Wyatt is marching out there and getting an 87.7 on PFF, and he did flash on the film as well. This wasn't just a numerical anomaly from PFF. He flashed. (sighs) Dean Lowry didn't even play that poorly yesterday, but you picked Wyatt in the first round for a reason, right? So play him. Play him over Lowry. Play Slayton at the nose so that Clark can play more end. We described in the game preview, and John Mirbedink did a whole thing about how Kenny Clark could be more productive on the end. They're just not putting him there this year as much as they did last year. Which, why? If the defensive line on the whole is better this year, why are you not able to be more flexible with Kenny Clark to put your best player in the best position to succeed? And yet you're not doing it. Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton can help you accomplish that mission if you utilize them more than nine snaps per game. So that needs to be looked at and addressed. Just as much as Matt LaFleur has been taken to task for why isn't Christian Watson getting the ball more and why is Aaron Jones never on the field this season, the defensive line rotation coaches, the defensive staff needs to be taken to task for what are you doing with this defensive line rotation. Last, the last get out. This is for secondary, Joe Barry, Jerry Gray, all of them. 
Jerry Gray is your defensive passing game coordinator. Joe Barry, obviously, your defensive coordinator. Keyshawn Nixon's been playing great. Jerry Alexander has flashed. Rasul Douglas has been up and down. A lot of down, but he's been up and down. Adrian Amos has regressed substantially. Look, look, okay? I just look at it this way. Justin Fields yesterday was 20 of 25 for 254 yards. They average fewer passing yards per game than any other team in the NFL, and Justin Fields just went 20 of 25 for 254 yards. Yes, he threw two back-breaking interceptions at the end of the game, but still, before that, like, take those away. 20 of 23 for 254 yards. Way more passing yards than he's done this year. And you allowed it. And I know part of the reason you allowed it is because you were so concentrated on the run. And you did shut down his run damn more than almost any other team this year, which deserves credit. But there's too much talent in this secondary to just to just not, right? To just not play well enough to, to allow, even if you're focusing on the run, to allow Justin Fields to garner that many pass yards. Your secondary is so well-paid, should be so talented, that all of them could line up one-on-one with these Bears receivers, and Justin Fields shouldn't be able to do a damn thing. And yet, it happened. There were still miscommunications in the secondary. There were still lapses in judgment, still broken plays. And the thing is, like I get it from the standpoint of, I used to be a musical theater director. I was a teacher for a long time. And as a teacher, when you've got a classroom of students, okay, some of them are ultra-talented and are going to do well no matter what, whether it's in spite of you or whether it's because of you. Some of them are very bad at the subject you're teaching and are probably going to do bad no matter what you do. Even the best teachers have students that they just cannot reach. But in the context of something like musical theater, it's all about the show that you pick for them to do, the parts that you put them in, and making sure that the material that you're offering them is one that they can succeed in. Because every single team, every single unit, every single thing in this entire world for everybody is going to have weak links. So you can't just look at a bad play or a bad player and say it's their fault. At the end of the day, it all comes down to who's in charge because it's their job to make sure that these guys understand how to communicate, understand how to communicate what they need, understand what spot to go to when, how to make the correct judgment calls. Right? If you're a teacher, you've got your goods, you've got your bads, but if year in and year out, your entire class fails, eventually you've got to look at the guy who's doing the teaching. Right? So all of these things about like, well, Joe Barry's scheme is fine. In theory, it should work. (laughs) But in theory doesn't matter. Unfortunately, what matters is the tangible product that occurs on the field. Just the way it is. So if his scheme works in theory, but not in product, it's still a coaching problem. So it's a communication problem. It's a teaching problem. It still falls on them. 
The secondary is too talented, too good. What's happening is they've got these ultra-talented individuals, but the parts are greater than the sum. And that falls on coaching, just like it does in teaching, just like it does in directing. If your individual stars are greater than your overall production, you have failed. And it is exactly what is going on with the defensive coaching. It needs to get fixed. Period. And that's all I have for you today. So like I said, no video on Wednesday. It's the bye week. Let's all chill. Let's go touch some grass or some snow if you're up north. Whatever. Stop by the card show, the Green Bay Card Show, KI Convention Center, on Saturday, December 10th. If you happen to be in the area, I will be there with a booth. I'm going to be selling, trading, buying. I'm also going to be there for Lombardi Time Brew. So please stop by and say hi if you've checked out any episodes. Thanks for checking out this video. As always, I hope you had a great day. And as always, Go Pack Go!